welcome back to another episode of the Scranton Talks podcast. Are you an aspiring filmmaker? Do you love film or are you new to filmmaking? Scranton Talks is definitely the podcast for you. It is full of inspirational, informative, and fun talks with other filmmakers about their projects and their journeys. Scranton Talks is part of the Independent Film Creative Hub based in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hosts Luz Cabrales and myself, Desiree Zelensky, founded the Independent Film Creative Hub which is geared to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. I'm so glad you can join us again for another episode. Uh, the Mystery Box Film Challenge has concluded for this year, and I hope everyone submitted their challenge films for the coming Northeast Pennsylvania Film Festival, which will be happening in April of 2023. Uh, we don't have much going on in the way of film events for December. I think me, myself, personally, <laughs> and I think Luz and I wanted to just take a break enjoy the holidays a little bit. Um, not over schedule too much, but we'll get right back together doing amazing events in 2023. Um, we'll definitely have an indie filmmaker meetup in January at some point. Uh, stay tuned for that, especially if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll post updates and when that is going to happen. Um, if you're not doing anything on December 13th, the organization NEPA Creative is having a holiday mixer on December 13th at 6 o'clock at Susquehanna Brewing Company. Um, this is really for all types of creative people, not just filmmakers, to come and get together and mix and mingle. Um, they're excited to start having their meetups again in 2023. And I know the first one they're going to have in January at the Think Center in Wilkes-Barre. That's going to be filmmaking related, so be sure to come out for that if you can. But I digress. <laughs> But without further ado, uh, it's my pleasure to announce this episode. We had the pleasure of talking to a local independent filmmaker who's from here. His name is Ian Lewis. Ian is currently a junior data wrangler working in the visual effects department on set. Previously, he worked as a production assistant in the AD department and made short films prior to entering the industry. Um, it was such a pleasure having Ian take the time to be on our show, especially around the holiday time. He was at a bit of a break, which was convenient, and it was a real pleasure talking with him. So without further ado, here's our Scranton Talks with Ian Lewis. Hi, everyone. I was just enjoying that doo-wop Christmas music <laughs> that we... That was really nice, right? That was I, uh... nice. I wanted to change it up a bit, you know, for uh, because today is our holiday episode, right? Yeah, it's like, I don't know if we're going to have one before Christmas, but yeah, just in case. But I'm like, hey, everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. My name is Desiree Zielinski. If you don't know who I am, I'm the co-founder of the Independent Film Creative Hub. And I'm also the founder of NEPA Film Society, which is a local filmmaking community community right here in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm also the organizer of the Mystery Box Film Challenge. And I'm Luz Cabrales. I am the co-creator of the Independent Film Creator Hub and also the founder of Scranton Films. Uh, we do a lot of films here. I collaborated with uh, Desiree before, uh, talked about that mystery box. Uh, what's going on with that, uh, Desiree? Well, we just wrapped up this year's Mystery Box Film Challenge. Um, the late deadline was on November 20th. And I hope everyone had fun doing this year's challenge. We got some really great films. It concluded not too long ago. Um, we are currently making our way through the films, and they looked fantastic so far. And you should receive a notification by the end of January 
of whether you were selected to show in the Mystery Box Film Challenge block for the festival and if you move on to the best of show judging. So we're making our way oh, through. Yes. And if you made, if you did use all the requirements we asked you, then you'll make it to the next, next round. Yeah, it was a really cool scene. I actually saw probably most of the films. I have to check and uh, log in um, and, and just see if anybody else submitted at the, you know, the last minute. Uh, but they were very, very nice. Um, also, I heard that we may have a waiver code just in case. Uh, is, is it tomorrow? Let's do or? Yeah, so our late deadline was the 20th. But if there's, there's someone out there who was like super close to finishing their mystery box film but missed our mm -hmm. deadlines, I can provide a waiver code. Um, it's good till tomorrow, so you can submit past the deadlines if you if you're almost there. Um, but I would definitely try to reach out to us as soon as possible, and we can get your film in for the mystery box film. Yes, we've done that before. Definitely, like, we we're like at the point of rendering, and we gave them a waiver code, and they missed the deadlines. But it's no problem. We could, if you're very close, we can let you go in. Yeah, yeah, that's the good thing about this challenge. I mean, it is a challenge, but uh, I know sometimes life uh, gets on the way, and sometimes we can, uh, you know, submit that. Don't get discouraged uh, as far as that. Uh, but also, um, just don't forget that we are on social media. So if there's any updates to the mystery box uh, on our website, you know, anywhere uh, where you can find us, you'll be able to see all that information. If you uh, don't have the waiver code right now, uh, Desiree, we can definitely, uh, I think we're going to put it online. So they'll be able to um, have that. But other than that, I don't think uh, there's much going on in December as far as, uh, you know, creative stuff, because we're taking a little bit of a break, uh, just kind of enjoying the holidays. Yeah. I know, um, but I've heard. But I know, like, um, just really quick, the NEPA creative mm -hmm. um, is having a Christmas party on December 13th at Susquehanna Brewing Company. They, it's an organization, NEPA Creative, that brings all creatives together, not just filmmakers, but artists, painters, writers. So it's free to attend. So if you can make it, hang out and meet other creative people in the area. So that's happening on uh, the 13th. NEPA yeah. Creative uh, is like a holiday party, right? Like It's a nice little cool. holiday party just to get everyone together and mix and mingle and hang out. <laughs> I think I'm going to make it. Um, I should be out of work by then, uh, but I do have plans. Uh, do you have plans go to go? Uh, I definitely will be going, yeah. All right. Perfect. Well, I can't wait. Uh, other than that, I mean, we have a pretty exciting uh, show today. Uh, Desiree, I'm going to give you the floor uh, to introduce our filmmaker uh, and, uh, you know, start start the conversation. Yeah, so it's it's my pleasure to introduce our guest for today as we are so glad to have Ian Lewis joining us. He is an independent filmmaker originally from here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Ian is currently a junior data wrangler working in the visual effects department on set. And he previously worked as a production assistant in the AD department and made short films prior to entering the industry. Uh, yes, uh, I've known Ian for quite a bit. And I mean, I know that he is super creative and uh, I'm very proud of all the things that he has accomplished. I see him on his, uh, on social media, just kind of seeing what, you know, he's been doing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling to see that somebody from this area is doing good things around other places, taking, uh, you know, those skills in and maybe uh, also maybe one day putting more films in this area as well or just yeah. represent you know, anywhere uh, that you are, you know, just a little bit of the Scranton area uh, in us. But what I'm going to do uh, before we put him on our stream is I'm going to show his demo reel. That way we can spark the conversation and 
feel free for anyone that's watching. I see we have quite a few. Um, put something in the comments. Maybe you have a question. Yeah, ask, a question. <laughs> ask a question. Let us know kind of how we're doing because uh, that's what keeps us uh, going in this uh, show. Quite a demo reel, Ian. Yeah, Thank you so cool. much for being here and for allowing. Uh, I know you're on a holiday break, which is even better in taking mm -hmm. the time to be, uh, you know, share your story with uh, many people out there that uh, can get motivated uh, in this industry that, uh, you know, is, you know, is always changing, right? Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for having me on. It's a pleasure. I always yeah. do my best to try to represent the area and, you know, can't forget where you came from. Nope. So, exactly, exactly. And I'm glad that looks... you've set up this here, you know, with Scranton Films and trying to get film, have have some prominence in the area again, so. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, again, yeah, thank uh, you. we cannot do this without uh, filmmakers like you. So I'm going to start with the first question and then we'll kind of just go through. Uh, but anytime you want to chime in with something different, um, I know we're going to talk about something fun in the middle of the show as well. That's uh, uh, going to be fun for a lot of Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, fans here. Continuing but our I just... conversation. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, so what we're going to do first is I just... Let's let's start in chronological order, just kind of how you got started. I mean, I've known you, uh, you know, quite a bit uh, for a while. And I've known since ever since I've known you, I know that you were interested in film, animation, all this industry uh, related um, uh, things. So tell us just a little bit about how you got uh, interested in, in and maybe explain to people kind of like what 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 you do. Of course. And it's actually funny. I'll, I'll start with I remember there's the clips from we did this James Bond short film in 2014 with the group I had going. And I remember we rented a camera from you Luz. I remember that because we didn't have what we wanted at the time. And you had a, a cannon body with a lens and I remember getting it from you and using it. So without Luz, that, that one wouldn't have been possible. So appreciate that as, as always. But in terms of the start and it's, it's, ideal that Desiree has the background that she does <laughs> because if you take a look at the third poster from the left of the screen when I saw Star Wars episode three in theaters in May of 05 that when when you're 10 and you see that kind of movie in a theater in this big dark shoebox you know, this, this brilliant transformative environment to where you can go in, you can sit in the dark and then you see that on the screen and particularly that film with that, that opening sequence with the ships coming in and that opening space battle. And it's the perfect age for it. Cause you know, when you're, when you're young and you see something like that, it, it takes your imagination as it always has, as it, as it did in the seventies and as it continues to do with the new audience with the Disney projects and you suddenly realize that things that are, are in your imagination are possible and they're they're tangible because it's you know the and that's what's good about movies in general not not just star wars of course or big action visual effects movies like that just just movies in general is they are how do I want to word this? They are visions that, you know, it's, it's like your mind out there and it's tangible and you can see it, but the best ones are ones that help you learn individual truths 
about yourself, about the world, about how you interact with the world, you know, being a part of a community, all kinds of wonderful uh, mythological folk tale lessons mm -hmm. that get packed into the themes of the movies and the way the characters are. So when you're, you know, you're not just blindly watching something that's not going to enlighten yourself you can gain knowledge. You know what I mean? Like you feel yeah. good about when you watch a really good movie mm -hmm. and you, you can take something away from it apart from just entertainment where you, 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 there's a lesson there or you think about the way the characters interacted with each other, or what, how they changed through the conflict that they went through. It brings it down to earth and it makes it, you, you can connect with that. And that's the great thing about storytelling is that, we've always been able to connect through storytelling and then, you know, movies is, is the current medium of doing it and, and TV as well, you know, longer form storytelling. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about connecting, excuse me, connecting with the characters. And I just love that. I love entering into a story. It's, it's like bedtime stories because I try to watch one movie a day mm -hmm. at night as a part of my routine watch a movie before you go to bed because it's it's the new version of like a campfire story yeah and it, it's so, sort of, so when you no 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 go ahead uh, so when no, you, you watch, go because i'm rambling now movie, so. <laughs> no 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 so when you were watching that movie you were 10 years old you say right like yes. what um popped out of that that said you know what maybe i want to do this for a living maybe this is something i want to explore I think at first it was the visual effects because I had never seen, you know, you, mm -hmm. 2005 before that time, the kinds of movies that we were going to see in the theater were mainly family, you know, whatever Disney had out all of the classic, um, the Imperial, the, 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 the golden era Pixar movies and then things, Oh my God, like probably would have seen the first Narnia or like the Thunderbirds right. remake or like whatever <laughs> else was out there. But then you suddenly go see star Wars and it is the top tier of big budget filmmaking. You know, they're pumping all their resources into it. Lucas is always pushing technology forward and you see that you, you, you can make these fantastical worlds and these crazy things out of nothing, you know, out of your imagination. And it's just cool. It's like, we, cause we all want to do that. We all want to have a laser sword. We all want to go fly on a spaceship and it becomes yeah, possible, for sure. you know? So did you started uh, like doing animation once you saw the special effects? Like what, um, what that, was, that was an interest. There? That was an interest. And that, that led me down the, 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 the behind the scenes school of DVD bonus features is because when you watch Star Wars, you inevitably, okay, that that's your link to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones. Okay, there's your Spielberg link. Then you watch Jaws. Then you watch Jurassic Park. You're watching all this stuff. And then eventually you go all the way through and it's like, okay, God, what else did we, you know, Titanic. Um, what are all the big VFX movies? God, Godzilla, yeah. the 90s one with Matthew Broderick, the one that is not great, but has a lot of good, solid visual effects work in it. A lot of good miniature work in it as well. Lord of the Rings. Oh my God, Lord of the Rings. Perfect. <laughs> Perfection. It's, it's everything about those movies perfect. No, I can and, relate to the whole Star Wars thing with, um, I mean, my father is a Star Wars fan too, and I know he's watching. He told me he's going to watch. So, of course. But um, yeah, because he Hi. grew up with um, 
the original trilogy coming out in the seventies. And I mean, he always says like he loves Star Wars because it reminds him of a spaghetti western. The whole well, that's what Star bad Wars guys, is, bad guys. But yeah, I like I got introduced. He showed me the original trilogy on beta tapes first. I'm like, oh, that's nice. When I was nine in 1999, and then Episode One came out, and we went to see it, and then that just solidified everything. So I know people sometimes don't like the prequels, but the prequels ushered us in, like. The original trilogy ushered my father's generation in, and now the sequels in the extended stories on Disney are ushering new generations in. You still have those beta tapes. You should hold on to them because they're probably <laughs> worth something. Because I bet you they're the yeah, actual <laughs> original cuts of the movies. They're not the special editions, so you know. Yeah. And I'm the people, me. the people watching that know what that means, then you, yeah. And I'm <laughs> sure there's people out there who've heard, heard my my rants about the special editions before but anyway that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah no so. no no that that that's good so and then that led you into uh i think um that's right go ahead and ask the next question i know um Is that you, we have a couple. You, you mentioned that you started creating independent short films like a lot of us do um here in the area in scranton specifically the batman versus arrow which we did see clips of in your demo reel which is a was a fan film you made locally here in scranton in 2015 so was that like what was that moment you made? Say, I want to make films and kind of like get on the path of getting into the industry, and your journey of going from independent to maybe bigger stuff. Right. So, and with with Batman versus Arrow, that was sort of the culmination of what we were capable of doing on the level that we were doing it. Because you know, we, we my brother and I, we started. We were on YouTube in like two thousand eight, and we would do stop motion animations with action figures with, with transformers and Godzilla. And we just, you know, you just play around and we had, we had an application called I stop motion and you just uh, plugged a firewire cable into a camera and, and it was on the, the, the computer and you could take the frame and, and move it. It was super easy and it was very fun. We spent hours doing that. And then, then as you evolved, you know, we were, Gosh, when did when did we start doing? That was probably okay. It was 2014. So I got together with a group of guys, and this is actually a great way that that it turned out because I worked at the Great Escape Movie Theater in Dixon, mm-hmm. yep, which is now a Regal, and my best friend from high school, Nick, he worked at the Cinemark up in Music. And collectively, from both of these movie theaters, we we formed a crew of people to make this handful of short films that we made. And and we called ourselves the Cinemaniacs. And I can't remember where that name came from. I think I was on an Animaniacs binge at the time. And I was like, oh, you know, put those two words together. And we did three short films. We did an Indiana Jones one, which is pretty rough. There's There were some clips in that demo reel. I was watching those shots. I'm like, oh, that's pretty rough. Um we did the James Bond one, which Luz lent me her camera to use, which was a great time, despite the fact that we decided to shoot it in November and December because it was freezing cold out because that was around here as well. And then and then Batman versus Arrow was the summer 2015. And that was the culmination of, OK, how do we do this? Because it was an hour long. You know, we, we wrote the script and it was 60 pages, whatever it was. And the thing that I'm most proud of when I look back on that experience 
is that we got it done because it was like <laughs> every time we finished shooting a scene, we'd, we'd be thinking ahead and be like, okay, what are we going to do next week, next week? And it's like, oh my God, we got all this other stuff to do. You know, how are we going to do this, 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 this? And there's three things in the industry that you, you can have two of these three things when you're making a project, good, fast, or cheap. And you can only pick two. And yep. ours was fast and cheap, which doesn't necessarily mean it's not good. I think it's good. I look back on it. There's a lot of good shots in there, you know, like we, some of the composition in there, you know, when, when Dante is, is holding the arrow, you know, straight to the camera, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Or even if you let it play, I mean, even that, the, that shot from Bond, this shot the, over the shoulder there, there's a lot of good stuff in there. You know, there's some of this lighting that we did it was ambitious for us but i'm just proud that we got it done like that shot there you know and you know like we're just out in an alleyway in downtown scranton behind the coney island like parking lot in the middle of the night driving cars around and, and having guys in superhero costumes fighting each other and it's like <laughs> what are we doing but it's fun and that's yeah. that that i think is the most important takeaway of what I look when I look back on these things is yeah they, they they're kind of rough they they pieces of them haven't aged as well or, or you wish you could have done something better but if you had fun doing it which we did we all did you know there's a great blooper reel that I think is still up on the Cinemaniacs channels it's 20 minutes of bloopers <laughs> from from Batman and Arrow and I I watch that more than I watch the actual thing because it's it's this time capsule of the fun we were having when we made this thing. Yeah. And 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 the fun of the collaboration because everyone enjoyed it, and everyone had such a great time. Um, but you know, we, and and let me get back on track here because I'm I'm rambling again. No no so we, no. We were I, I mean, doing I all these things. Okay. Go ahead. We, go we, ahead. We, yeah, we were doing all these things, and that that was locally around here. And of course, you want to have some legitimacy. Is that a word? You want, I don't know. You want to be legit. We'll make it and a word. so I made the decision to, I want to go to college for film. And I picked Point Park University out in Pittsburgh. And I picked Pittsburgh because it was a big uh, city that had a film presence in it. Because when I was looking at that school, because uh, Dark Knight Rises had shot out there. What's that Tom Cruise yep. movie? Jack Reacher had shot out there. Uh, Foxcatcher was out there. But there were big movies there. And I was like, okay. If I want to be serious about entering the industry, you got to go somewhere where there's hookups. And I had looked at schools in Rochester, New York, and then Champlain and Vermont. And they were fine schools and they were fine cities. But Pittsburgh had work at the time. And I was like, okay, there's your exit strategy. And uh, sure enough, you know, that's how uh, I got started after school is I had an internship at the, the Pittsburgh film office. And my, my boss there, she was helping me out the summer I graduated. I did a, I did a, I was just a PA, I was a locations PA for a Pennzoil commercial where they were driving a Dodge Demon around 
Pittsburgh in the middle of the night, burning rubber, tearing up tires. That was fun. That was a a literal wake up call because those that was the first night shoot I was ever on. So it's like call time, seven p.m. Oh, okay. And then you rap when the sun's coming out, and then it's like, oh my god, circadian rhythms all thrown off. And what did I do after that? Oh, then I did. I was I was a PA on the only reality show I've ever done. Uh, I did an episode of Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain, and I got to drive him around Pittsburgh for nine days in a in a rented minivan, which was interesting because when you and when you're a PA, which is the entry level position, you know you're bottom of the totem pole, but that doesn't mean you're inessential. That's you know you need that part of the totem pole to support everybody else. But you still get bottom of the totem pole jobs. Like, oh, hey, go get the coffees. Go get the sandwiches. Go get, you know, da 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 And And it was, you know, it's learning because you, you have to learn how the bottom, how that bottom rung, you have to learn how that operates because those are the gears that are turning the cogs that go da 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 you know. Exactly. And, it, and it's a natural stepping stone, too, because when you start that low, then you understand what it's like to be down there. So when you get higher up and up, you, you can look back and see where you came from. Um, and then that's how I did those two jobs in Pittsburgh. And then by that time, unfortunately the work, there were no big movies shooting anymore. I think Mindhunter was in town and not much else. What year was that? This was 2017. Sorry. It was 2017. Yeah. And my, my boss at the film office, she, she was, I forget what we were talking about the one day, but she basically said, she's like, why are you still here? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, why are you still in Pittsburgh? You want to work on sets? Go to Atlanta. I was like, okay. So like two, like month and a half ish later, I was in Atlanta. So I'm going to stop you st- there for a second. Yes. I want to talk about something real quick. I, but okay. because in school you made a really good movie, right? Yes. And uh, let's talk about that. And then we'll go back to Atlanta just because I, um, I don't want it to go unnoticed because that was a really good movie, and I think yeah. it, you you went through the festival circuit. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if it was your your senior thesis or anything like that, but maybe just talk a little bit about that, and I'll put it uh, just the demo reel right here, so they can yeah, see so kind of like some of it, the. It's it's the clips that look the slickest because we had access to all the <laughs> all the all the equipment that the school had, you know, um, and so that's Zapruder, the Time Intruder. Yeah which I have to thank my producer, Troy Martin, for that title. I can't tell you how many times people told him to change that title. He's like, no, I'm sticking on. No, we're going to have a rhyming title. <laughs> and the, 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 the quick business of that, I, I kind of came on to that short film later into the process because their team you know, they were taking the, the, the senior production class for credit and their director that they had dropped out. And I, I'm not sure why, but then Troy called me up and he's like, Hey, do you want to direct this Zapruder? And I was familiar with it because he had been talking about it for a couple months. And I was like, yeah, sure. And the problem we had with that, at least that I think is there's, there's a lot of exposition in it because you had to explain the details of like the JFK assassination details of that day that the audience needed to know to weave all that stuff in. And we only had a 12 minute runtime, which was the, mm-hmm. the, the, for the, for the class, you had to be under 12 minutes. And, you know, we kind of 
there there were some rough patches with it, but yeah, it did. It went through festivals. It got sent to the school. The school did a uh, Los Angeles showcase every year for a while, and it was part of the package of short films that got sent out there, and that was cool. And the biggest takeaway from that experience, and also just from from college as a whole, is you learn collaboration. You learn how to work with other people, and particularly in film school. You, you, every person who goes to film school is lying if they say they don't have an ego when they go into film school. When, you, when you're a freshman and you get to your dorm and you put up your Pulp Fiction poster and your Drive poster, everybody's got an ego. And when you work with other people in a situation where you're forced to work with other people, because these are classes, you have to take these classes, and you are forced to have to get along to create these movies. And you learn how to work with people that way. You know, you're not in a bubble where, where you're writing something and you're the God and you can write what you want to write. You have to right. compromise. You have to learn there, there's, that there's give and take and you can't always do the things that you want to do. Um, and, and then on the flip side, you make really good friends, friendships that last and have continued to last. And you make more of those really good fun memories, you know, that we we made when we were doing all of the Cinemaniacs projects. You know, I have so many good memories from from making Zapruder, in particular because when we when we were finished shooting for the day, you know, there's 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 the people that are going back to the school, back to campus. But then when we had what we called a food car, and that was the car you got into if you wanted to go eat, because we were all so hungry at the end of the day. And we're like, all right, who's driving food car? And then we'd go and hit like two or three fast food restaurants on the way back and get all this food. No, <laughs> so. it's, and it's great that you touched on that because then that kind of now, now we can talk about Atlanta because now you're, mm-hmm. you know, your experience in school, I'm sure it helped you as well in the industry, just sort of like now you're going to go into bigger sets. You're going to go into independent uh, in maybe other productions that are bigger than what you've been uh, used to. So tell us now like your journey in Atlanta and just kind of how, how that experience was working in like, you know, bigger independent uh, sets. For sure. And it's, I got super lucky when I got to Atlanta because I, there was like a, a connection through a roommate of mine. And I ended up getting on to a big Marvel feature just as a PA. And it was, it was one of their big movies that they just, it was like a sponge. They just needed PAs to be uh, lockups for the set. And a lockup is, you know, when you're shooting in a downtown environment or basically anything outside of the stage where you, you just need bodies to basically create a perimeter around the set. And again, it's very low on the totem pole, but it's necessary because if you don't have a perimeter, you know, you got to stop bogeys from coming in. You got to basically almost redirect traffic sometimes to make sure cars go around and, you know, people aren't walking on the sidewalks going in into the set and seeing things they shouldn't, or, you know, too, sometimes it's a safety thing too, because you can have a big special effects explosion going on and you don't, you, you can't have anyone go near. So it is it is an absolute essential piece of the filmmaking process is to have PAs. And, you know, we, we do a lot of things, you know, do get waters for people, for the crew, make sure people stay hydrated. Um, 
echo, you know, echo whenever the first AD is yelling, rolling and, and cut, you know, echo that so that people who maybe aren't really close to the set understand, oh, okay, rolling cut, I can keep doing my work in the background here. And it's, it's basically, it's the facility facilitating the production. Um, but the first day that I was on that movie, they give you your walkie talkie. Okay. So go on. And you're on channel one, which is the main channel for production. And no one really called for me or anything, but I'm just sitting there listening and I'm listening to the first, the first AD orchestrate the day. And I learned so much just from listening to this, you know, it's like, okay, we're moving this actor, we're moving this. Okay. Where's that actor? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, okay. It's camera up. Okay. You know, we got to do a rehearsal. Okay. No, didn't like it. Okay. Adding a light. Okay. Rehearse again. Okay. And now we're good. All right, let's shoot. Okay. Boom. Next setup. And it's like, Oh my God, the, 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 the rush of it. And the thing I was most impressed with is, is how efficient it is. It's how quickly when you have money like that is how quickly and efficiently you can go through a day with so many complex moving parts, you know, these big visual effects movies have so many big sequences to them. And it's, it's, it's still, it's like, you, you kind of take a step back and you, you realize that it's kind of a miracle of coordination sometimes <laughs> of how yeah. all these pieces come together and everybody does their job and all the gears are lining up like that and it turns and it's boom. And there you go. It's, it's yeah. amazing. And that, that's why I love it. Cause it's, it, you're building something it's constructive even when you're being destructive, when, when special effects is setting off a big explosion, it's constructive because it's adding to the set piece or, you know, what have you. And it's, it's, it's making the, making the scene. And um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's cool. Cut me off. Help. <laughs> no, no, but with, um, with um, being on getting into larger sets, is there a specific challenge that you had to overcome in a particular position that you were on one of those sets? Like what was the biggest challenge you had to face and how did you work to overcome that? Ooh, well, I learned personally very early on that I, my skill set, or at least what I imagine my skill set to be is I is not tuned to being an AD, an assistant director, because it's, I don't know. It's just, it wasn't my cup of tea. And there were a lot of things that were, were to me, they were very monotonous and it wasn't rewarding to me. And it, the, the challenge was to, you know, I felt boxed in because I had spent like a year and a half in Atlanta trying to get jobs like that. And then it was probably mm, like the beginning of 2019 where I had very sporadic on and off PA gigs. And I'm like, this is just not for me. And it wasn't, you know, all the guys I was working with were great. All the crews I was working with were great. It was just, it was the work itself, you know, standing on a street corner for two weeks of night shoots. It, it was, right. it didn't appeal to me because there was nothing really creative that I was contributing to in that position. And I knew I was wanted to do visual effects. So I started networking with some of the guys on, on sets that I was working on. And, you know, after a year or so, I finally got an email for a visual effects job. And there we are. And that, and that's, that's the, that's how the train's been rolling since. Now, is that uh, still in Atlanta? Like that you're, you're still based there? I was in, I was just in Los Angeles 
for two shows back to back. Um, and right now I'm kind of in this very awkward liminal space waiting to see what my next job is going to be. Hey, that's okay. That's a, so, um, it's a very, I don't, if people just don't understand, it's a very freelance um, kind of way to get work. Cause I know a lot of people who moved, who were from around here who moved to Atlanta because there was a lot going on in Atlanta, but it is like a very, it's kind of like not what you know, but who, you know, essentially. Yes. That's, that, that's big. There's, there's four components of, of working in the industry and you know, it's who, you know, patience and then good old hard work and then luck. Luck is a huge component of it, you know, being in the right place at the right time or knowing the right person, you know. Um, I'll actually, I'll touch on that, though. You're, you're saying you knew a lot of people that moved to Atlanta. It is a big challenge, at least that I found, you know, is the is is when you, when you don't really have a city when you're locked into and you, you kind of, I don't want to say you're living as a nomad, but it, it feels that way sometimes. You know, because when I was in Atlanta, I was staying, I found this place through Airbnb. And so, like, none of the furniture is yours. TV's not yours. Nothing, nothing really except your your actual, like, genuinely personal possessions are yours. And I can see that being a turnoff for some people. And, you know, especially, and, and, and with Los Angeles in particular, with the, the price of everything, that's just the biggest gate around LA is, is it's just expensive, you know? And, so and what that, was, to, what was the biggest shock for you? Uh, now that we talked about that, you know, kind of like everybody kind of has this idea of like, I'm going to go here and this is what it's going to be. Obviously it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, everybody's going to have a different journey. Like you said, some may get luckier, you know, than others, uh, mm-hmm. even if they work hard, you know? Um, so just kind of like, what was the biggest shock for you, uh, now you're you have lived in a smaller town. Then you went to Pittsburgh. Now you go to Atlanta, like a little bit of a bigger city, and also the cultures, like different um, different things going ar- around. What was the biggest other than collaboration that you now have to work with, you know, people and maybe not do exactly what you said you wanted to do right away because you're working towards that. Yes, um, I think a lot of it was at least the way I approached it is you just have your goal. And if you know you're pointed towards your goal, then everything else kind of, I don't want to say you push it to the side, but at least you have a path that you're on. And I don't know. I didn't, there wasn't too much of a, of an actual culture shock, not, not Pittsburgh or Atlanta, because, you know, a lot of the people that you come across in school and on sets, they're all movie people. They know how to talk movies. And that's one of the few things I can talk about is movies. So you, you have that connection there, that, that instant connection. Um, I would say the only thing like as far as shock with LA goes is just, it's how massive, how stupefyingly massive that city is. It just (laughs) keeps going. Yeah. It's so (laughs) dense and, and, you know, but the best I'll say this, and the thing I'm looking back on in retrospect is the best thing about Los Angeles is the film culture because that whole city is, is it's movie central. Film. It's film. You, right. you see movie advertisements on billboards and I, I've not seen that anywhere else, maybe like one or two in Atlanta, but in LA they're 
everywhere. And I love that because it's, it's this constant reminder of, of entertainment that's all around you. And you have all these classic theaters that are still there and operating, you know, the Chinese theater, amazing, amazing place. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been operating since the twenties and all that stuff is still there because that's, you know, that's Hollywood. Yeah. And, um, people who live out there or people who love movies choose to live out there probably because they, you know, you get perks when you live there, you get, you get movies that don't play anywhere else. They play in LA and New York, you know? Um, so what was um, like your, your process of getting those jobs, right? Like you said, a lot of times, you know, people that are, you know, that are recommending you for some jobs, networking, but do you have a process? Um, that you can sort of tell someone that may be thinking of moving to a bigger city like that. It's if you know someone who has sort of roots in the ground in a particular city, you can state your interest and say, okay, I'm thinking of moving out there. Here's my resume. Here's my reel. Here's my goal. Here's what I want to do. And You know, I kind of, the way I did is, is every sort of, everything was a stepping stone into the next job. That's because every job I've had has gotten me my next job. Right. And that's just through, through the collaboration and, and keeping those connections. And, um, it's. I'm so sorry. I've I've gone off from your original question. No, basically just, you know, kind of like what um how did you get those jobs, right? How did you get that opportunity to say, you know, even if it's a PA, maybe that's not what I want to do now, but I'm going to take that as a learning experience. Um just how what's your process, I guess. That's yeah, I that that is what it is. It's to me it's it's the stepping stone approach is is okay, I'm going to take this job. I can learn what I can can in this and see who else I can network with in this job. So yeah, say you, you get a job as a PA and you're, you're not feeling it. You know, if you know, I want to be a grip, then you can, you can go up to them and, and feel it out and try to become buddy buddies with them. And as long as you're not annoying about it, you know, but if you're, if you're a little persistent and, and if you're nice about it, and if you show that you're dedicated and if you work hard and you have a good work ethic, uh, and also, I mean, if you're a chill person too, because that's the thing when you're working on a set, you're, you're with these people for 12 plus hours a day. Yeah. So if you're, if your personality is a handful or, if, or if it's kind of not going to jive well, um, overbearing, I guess would be the word. But if you're, if you, if you're like the chillest, I don't even know how I'm trying to word this. I don't want to say not, normal is not the word. I don't know if you got, if you just no, got I that understand. personality, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just, if you're, you're, you're down with what the work is, you know, you're not a, a complainer or a whiner or, you know, you go with it, the flow, you, you know? go with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you're, good. good point. And you go with the flow and you can, you understand what work you need to do. You know, that's a great way to build a connection and, and then keep that network going of, of all your other connections. And what I will do, you know, excuse me you just stay in touch, stay in touch with them, you know, keep it, keep it going, keep the blood flowing in that network. You know, just check in with people, see how they're doing, you know, because that's, 
they're your friends. I mean, well, they're your work colleagues and, and they can become friends. And if you got a really good crew, then it really starts to feel like a family, especially if you're together for six months or a year and you're, you're just seeing the same people in and out every day and you, you feel like you are in this very sort of like secondary family of, of <laughs> yeah. workers, you know, but that's the vibe sometimes. And it's, it's good because you, you look out for each other and you, right, you know, right. if you're, if you're, if you're standing there on set and you're like, my hands are cold and I want a snack, then probably everyone else is thinking the same thing. You know? <laughs> so you how gotta, does it, um, we, we go into now you have uh, completed a project, right? And you see it, maybe you had a little bit of a participation in it. Maybe you had a, li uh, a little bit more than usual. Uh, how does it make you feel when you uh, finally see it on like the, you know, the, the streaming platforms at the theater? Like, I'm sure you had that experience where you have worked on a film and then you go see it. And um, what is that feeling that you have? I see your it's name in the credits. <laughs> It's really, it's, it's fun. It's also a sigh of relief because it's like, oh, I don't have to keep this secret anymore. And right. the best part about is, is you're still getting the theatrical experience with the audience, but because you know what's going to happen, you're, you're waiting to see what everyone else's reaction is going to be. And plus two, for someone like me, who's, who's still low, low down, it's the first time I'm seeing it complete, you know, cause we have a picture of it in our heads with the blue screens and all the gray suits and we, that's what it looks like to us. So when it's in the theater or it's on streaming, it's our reintroduction to the material. And when you're in the theater, you get the audience reaction and it's, it's extremely satisfying when people stand up and applaud and, cheer for certain moments in the movie and same thing with the streaming shows you know the the audience feedback is a little more indirect because you got to go on reddit or twitter or wherever and see what people are saying about the show but it's you know or or, or there's been so many instances where on set you hear a particular line over and over and over again because they're doing so many takes And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, this line is going to be a meme in about a year and a half. And sure enough, all the lines have become memes. And it's like, it's that, it's that, it's this long waiting game of, of, of So this, is there uh, any particular film names that you are able to just say, I worked on that film without giving too much information? The ones that are already out? Um, we don't have to, um, we can keep all of them a secret. That's no problem. But if no, there's I can, one that you can, can just say, I worked on that. I worked I can on that. say because they're out. So I did, I'll do the, the visual effects ones I've done so far. I did the Tomorrow War, which is on Amazon Prime. On Amazon. And then I did this really small independent movie. Not too many people saw it. It's called Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, and then I just I did, it. I just did, um, that uh, was on Disney over the summer or the fall, uh, She-Hulk, the series, which was very visual effects heavy. Um, so I've been in the, I've been in the Marvel wheelhouse a little bit, but then that's, and that's what I'm talking about too. You know, with, with, with Spider-Man, you're sitting in the crowd and you hear the crowd reaction when 
Andrew and Toby show up and it's like, it's like, yeah, they know now. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's good. You know, and that, and that's really cool because, um, you know, again, you can work on a film, you can have a little bit of a part in it, but that part in it, like if it wasn't there, it would not be able to be made, you know, like it's something that every, every spot, um, that's the cool thing I love about filmmaking that you can, anyone can do filmmaking because it has so many components and so many things, uh, you know, the construction crew, you know, is going to be necessary for that film. Right. Oh yeah. So, and, and even guys that you, you, you will never see their work on screen. You know, you think about all the janitors that work at the studio that just like yeah. clean the bathrooms and make that, all nice and clean, you know, just general support like that. We're all the wonderful craft service people who feed us snacks in the middle of the night right. when we're hungry. They are a huge part of the crew and you never see their work, but their, their <laughs> presence is there. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do as well as, as visual effects on set, we are grabbing data that gets turned over to post-production which makes the digital artists, it makes their lives easier because when you're sitting on a box with, with your shot and you weren't there when it was filmed and you're kind of, and then that's all you have. It's very easy to get lost in the digital world with no sort of real world reference. And that's the big, that's the big word for us in, in visual effects on set is reference because we, we you have to give them reference to the real world of what it was when it was shot. So we're taking measurements of the camera, your height, tilts, distances, very mathematical sort of lot, just a lot of numbers, but it's all necessary. And, you know, and we will we'll do a lot of photographs, do a lot of, we do the uh, a 360 imaging called an HDRI which shows the positions of all the lights for a particular setup and what that can do that can save an artist time in lighting their shots because they don't have to guess where the lights are. If they load this 360 image and you can, you can even load it onto an iPad and look around, you'd be like, Oh, okay. Lights there, lights there, lights there. Oh, light down there. Okay. Boom. And there's your lighting setup. And uh, it's all to make their lives easier. (laughs) And ex- and That's hopefully, great. hopefully, expedite their work. You know, right, so that right. that you know, because saves because money, saves on budget, everything matches. And every show nowadays, most or most every show is is visual effects heavy. Even if you don't notice it, there's a lot of invisible work. Even if it's just a set extension, or painting out a rig, or painting out stunt wires or reflection cleanup on a set with a lot of windows in it, you know, anything, you know, name a show. I bet you there's visual effects in it, even if it's not a superhero title, you know. And notice those credits at the end. You know, I always say, you know, when I go see a movie, it's uh, it's like you don't get up until the last black screen. You know, there's, you you know, you got to watch the credits because that's that's the art department. That's my thing. People. (laughs) Well, if, if, if the filmmaker's done a good job, then they've also given you a good soundtrack to listen to during the credits because that's a very exactly. important key. You, you have to 
leave the audience with the the musical the musical mood of what you want them to exit the movie with. And there's so many times where there's because you know working at the movie theater as an usher, you clean up so you hear the same music 300 times in the space of about four weeks when when we're playing a movie. And there's so many movies that just have really boring credits music. It's like, come on, guys, play a good song. You know, play something that matches. But um, oh no, that's great. And um, so that leaves uh, Desiree is going to ask the, one of the final questions. We won't keep you here too long. Oh, okay. uh, but uh, we ask that question to everyone. So I'm going to leave that to Desiree. Um, and and then we'll close the program. Yeah, I mean, we'll check and see if anyone. Yeah, I'll check for my question or anything like that. But yeah, with the credits, it's like, or they sneak something at the end and you have to watch it. Yes. <laughs> so, like, that's a sneaky, like, stay till the end and watch it, like, and or. That's oh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> we were talking about this a little before, but <laughs> it's, it is very interesting of, to me, it's like, okay, we're really going this far backwards down the rabbit hole of the yeah. rebellion. And it's, I don't know, man. It's like it's the, the 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 that moment in Star Wars of blowing up the Death Star is such the central moment in Star Wars, and it carries a lot of weight. But we are so far backwards now from that, and it just it feels like a disconnect. I guess I don't know. I don't know the way to describe it. You know, I, I think it's. I mean, like we were talking. This is our backstage conversation for anyone who was wondering what we were talking about. But I mean, with Andor, Andor's not my favorite series. I think Obi-Wan's my favorite series out of all of them. Obi-Wan's one of my favorite characters. But with Andor, I love the character Andor when seeing him in Rogue One and with Jin. I think they, he's a really solid character. But I think they are going really far back into setting up the rebellion. I mean, my father watched Andor with me and he was confused in the first two episodes like they're going far back and like here's where andor's from like as a kid and things like that so i'm i mean it's they're probably setting up the rebellion i think that's the big thing well i think what it is too is it's more of the only you know there's there's a train of thought that that is like okay a future generation watching this is going to watch it in chronological order there's a very logical way that people in the future you know they're going to watch one two three um, and then go to Andor or, or watch, you know, throw Clone Wars and Rebels in there, do Andor, and then get to Rogue One, and then get to the original trilogy. So, and I I don't know how many seasons of Andor they're going to do, but <laughs> as long as the audience is engaged, that's the thing, because as soon as the audience disengages, that's when you gotta, that's when you gotta stop. Because this is something I've noticed a lot with Netflix. I just watched this this Wednesday Adams series that was out, which is great, by the way. If anyone is looking for a binge, great show. <laughs> but there, there's 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 too much of the Netflix disease that's kind of happening. And what I mean by that is, they'll take a story that could could maybe be like three or four hours max, and stretch it to eight hours, mm. and. Yes. It just, you get a lot of filler and, and scenes that don't need to be in there or scenes that could have been abridged. And I feel like a reasoning for this is, is 
and this is something I've noticed with, a lot too with the the audience sort of tastes is people want things that are realistic. And I've struggled with understanding that term in full because there's nothing about movies is realistic. And right. and I think it, it has to do, it has to do with, with like suspension of disbelief, which is what I think it's really referring to. But a lot of the things, you know, just, I mean, I'll use Andor as an example. A lot of the things people are talking about, is like, oh, it's so gritty and realistic and there's no, you know, it feels so grounded and lived in and there's no in your face visual effects in the first episode. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. But it, it's, 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 it's too kind of cold almost, you know what I mean? Like there's a certain amount of realism and certain projects don't really work for that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm rambling again. Save me guys. No, no, no. I know what you mean. I, I love uh, the yeah. Adams family and um, you know, I, I was watching, you know, the whole series and I, at one point I was like not even paying attention and I was like, cause that's not needed. And then you go back yeah. and it's like, okay, well, that, that makes sense. So it, it was that yeah. they were trying to stretch it to all these episodes. Uh, it is a perfectly like, it's amazing story. Like and it's Tim Burton, you know, and they did a great job and it looks great. Uh, but it almost seemed like I was watching, uh, you know, Sabrina on yeah. Netflix, the new Sabrina, which was kind of like very similar. And I was like, oh, I was like, are they trying to do the same thing? And then, or like another show that's very like that. I was like, they're just filling in some of the things where it could be very strong if they just kind of, you know, do it uh, like that. But I mean, I guess that maybe they were trying to set something up for the next uh, season. But I understand exactly what you mean, how all these um, streamers are trying to stretch their content with fillers that yeah. may not even it be. It might be the same thing uh, with Andor. I feel like leading up with not revealing anything for people who haven't seen and or but there were times where it's like all right are they gonna get out of here now in this episode or like <laughs> or like the next episode do they finally get out of this or <laughs> like i think that, though I too it, it, it might be the the way that people are watching things is changing because and i i thought about this too is is the theater used to be the only delivery method to the audience if, yeah. if this is your product the only way that you can physically deliver the product to people is in a big dark room with 600 seats and they have to come and da 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 and see it. But now with streaming, it's like, okay, there it is. Watch it whenever. And, right. and I think that that mentality has, has sort of, it's, it's just stretched and ballooned and, and with binge watching, you know, people want a show. It's like, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. You know, there's, if you find a show that you, you're, you're digging after the first couple episodes, and you and you're looking and it's like, oh my god, there's four more seasons of this. Yeah, man, like come on, yeah, and you just watch it. With all. me, it's the Umbrella Academy. Like I got hooked on Umbrella Academy. Like I, when they released their season three, I'm like, I have to stop after two, or I'm going to watch the whole season <laughs> in one weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it's different. It's evolving, and it's it's something because you know too. You like, like look at a sitcom as that is really long form storytelling, but it's also sort of it's segmented, you know, there's, oh, I don't even know. It's, it's interesting. It's food for thought is what it is because it's, 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 uh, <laughs> you have to understand what the audience wants. That's a big, important 
thing for filmmakers and storytellers because if you're not connecting with the audience or if you're doing something that is disassociating with the audience then then it doesn't matter so you you almost have to force yourself to pay attention to what the audience wants and right. and what their their positive feedback is towards and then things they don't like too like dropping bombs in space can't do that because <laughs> then the audience just loses their minds right so you know what that leads me into the la last question which is yeah, perfect well, the last question that was now. A great great advice uh, on that uh just as far as the storyteller goes but um just what advice would you give to up and coming uh, filmmakers? And I think that that was a question that was put on uh, Facebook uh, as well, or just maybe something that you would love to know to help you with your career right now, right? Something that someone can take away. Uh, buy comfortable shoes. If you want to work on set. That's important. <laughs> I recommend the on cloud brand. Um, Perfect. No, this that is legitimate though. If you if you uh, yeah, no, that, good shoes. That is true. <laughs> you gotta be comfortable. Um, I think, and there's a good segue. Is uh, confidence. You need a lot of confidence in your abilities and who you are, but don't let that stop you from learning. Because every single day you will learn something new. I learn something new every single day I'm on a set and we have a different type of scene and it's like, oh, okay, we got to approach this this way, you know? Right, right. And you never stop learning. But but you have to be confident in what you have already learned and in how you can apply that to your current job. And I think that, that goes for, you know, working on a big set side of things. But for... An indie side of things, you know, you also need confidence, but everyone has this. Mm -hmm. So your your technology, your your methodology of what camera you have or what lenses you have, and your tools and your equipment are only going to get you so far because it's not as impressive anymore you know if back in the 60s and 70s if you were to put together something on on eight millimeter or 16 millimeter that's a huge thing because not everybody has access to that but now it's like you can go in your backyard and shoot anything you want to with this and this is a great camera it's a fantastic camera so now more than ever i think is the biggest it is of utmost importance to concentrate on a good storytelling and good characters because that is what the audience is responding to. And that's why we do what we do is to connect with the audience. And as I was saying, if the audience disassociates or can't connect with the story and the characters, then it doesn't matter what size sensor is in your camera that you shot it on. It doesn't matter how good your lighting is because if the audience doesn't believe what's happening, they're not noticing that you're not, you're, you're not paying attention to the cinematography if you don't believe what is happening in the world of the characters. And to tie back into my point I was trying to make earlier, maybe that's why people want stories to be realistic now. Is maybe maybe in the, the, the current world is that maybe that is what the audience responds to, is that things that are a little more grounded and things that you don't have to suspend your disbelief for as, as greatly anymore. 
And if that's what the audience is responding to, then that's what we have to figure out how to feed them in a way. That's perfect advice. Yeah. Perfect you advice, know? Ian. I think um, filmmakers, uh, again, I always like to say, you know, there, there's people that are just starting out, uh, a lot of younger, maybe older people that are like, you know, maybe I want to change my career into something more creative. Uh, so this is great because it kind of gives a glimpse in the uh, industry for bigger independent films that uh, you can do a lot of uh, a lot of things. And there's a lot of jobs for a lot of people. Not everyone is, you know, can get the director job right away, you know, but it feels better when you start at the bottom, you work your way up, you network, and you really now know how a production should go, how to stay on budget. You know, like you, I'm sure you're learning a lot of things in those studios. So we're definitely thankful that you were able to come today yeah. and share your story. You know, share this. Um, believe me, like even if we hit one person that you know your story can help. I mean, we're happy with that. That's that's what keeps us going. That is, it really is because that. I mean, we have an audience right now, you know, and I've I've hope hope we have entertained and hopefully enlightened the audience. Hopefully, and, I think we did. And um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's why we all love this because it's it it's this wonderful constructive process that is so much is so enjoyable and. Um, yeah. No, no, that 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 uh, wraps it up, and uh, I'm gonna have Desiree wrap up just the end, just a couple of things that uh, for the ones that didn't uh, make it uh, in uh, the beginning, uh, just to see, and then we're gonna show your demo reel one more time, and then close uh, with your graphic, uh, and if you just hang out backstage for just a minute, so we can say uh, proper goodbyes, and yeah. uh, we should be good. All right, go Copy ahead. That. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for yes. your time. Thank you, Thank everyone, you. so much for joining us this afternoon for our Scranton Talks with independent filmmaker Ian Lewis. Uh, we have wonderful events coming up, so be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see any of our previous talks here. We also have a podcast. You can listen to uh, all our previous talks as well. Say that again. I think uh, we you got cut out for a second about the podcast. We have a podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can listen to any of our previous talks on there as well. Yes, uh, Desiree does a really, really good job uh, getting all those talks uh, into a podcast format for the ones that can't make it into the live. Uh, you know, while you're driving to your next gig, uh, you'll be able to hear some great advice uh, and some good things that are happening here. Um, but other than that, I, you know, we are always looking to spotlight or to talk with filmmakers and anyone who does creative work around the area. Um, and we welcome uh, people that want to share their story. So please feel free to go to our website, YouTube, Instagram. I think we're everywhere, right, uh, Desiree? I mean, yeah, Facebook, YouTube, pretty Instagram. Much, pretty much everything. Um, other than that, just feel free or feel free to message us. Uh, just don't message us on our private accounts because I don't even check it half the time so uh you know you'll get better response at the other ones um other than that i think uh you know everybody hopefully you have a great holiday season uh whatever you do uh and however you celebrate um yeah. we are always here 
you know, to help out on anything that you need uh, as far as creative work goes. But um, maybe we'll have another talk before the holiday ends. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. How much eggnog I have, you know, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Desiree. And uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, I hope you, you have a great um, evening. And I'm going to put in uh, the uh, demo reel. And you have a good night. Thanks to Ian. And happy holidays, everybody. Thank you. Right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Scram Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Be sure to stay up to date on what we have going on by following us on the Independent Film Creative Hub on Facebook and Instagram. We have wonderful events coming up. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see any of our previous talks that we have done. They All the videos live there. And as you might have figured out, we have a podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can listen to all our previous talks as well. Uh, feel free to message us if you would like to be on our show. We would love to share your journey with others if you're interested. You can be any level, any kind of creative. Um, we love to spotlight people, especially in our area and beyond of the amazing things they're doing and to inspire other people on their creative journeys. Um, the Independent Film Creative Hub is here for you, here to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. Be sure to visit our website, ourcreativehub.com. We have a directory and it's free to sign up. And if we don't talk to you guys before the holidays, we wish you the happiest of holidays. Um, any holiday that you celebrate, we wish you the best of season's greetings, happy holidays, everything in between. We're so grateful for our listeners and our viewers and everyone who we collaborate and our independent filmmakers and all our guests who are on our show. It's so amazing to talk with amazing people, amazing creatives, and to learn about their journeys. And we'd love to share your story. If you would like to be on our show, you can message us on our Facebook page or Instagram page, and we'll get back to you on the best date and time. So until next time, happy holidays. And that's a wrap for Scranton Talks. Oh, 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 oh,